I'm in there, Clarice. Rattled. Yeah. <laughs> we have another guest this week, our dear friend, Clarice Bosco. Welcome, Clarice. Hola. Thank you. <laughs> Insert applause. <laughs> yeah. Audience applause. <laughs> I can hear it now. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening in your car, just give Clarice a little clappity clap while you're driving. And a honk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, give her a honk. <laughs> she deserves it. Yeah. yeah, we're super excited to have Clarice on the pod this week. Um, we're excited for the things that, um, yeah, she has to share. And before we do that, um, we wanted to just chat about some awesome feedback from you guys from our last episode um yeah it was really cool seeing like I got a lot of messages about how that really challenged their view of um who God is and special shout out to Alana for just sharing her wisdom and making us cry <laughs> making us <Yeah>. think. <laughs> um yeah Katie would you like to read uh the little comment that we got a I little would. comment a I little don't want comment. it to sound demeaning <laughs> <laughs> the comment that we got that is super valid and we're excited to just debrief quickly yeah um I I loved I loved having feedback that isn't positive because I think <laughs> it helps us learn and grow and I think part of dismantling white supremacy especially in the church and the patriarchy and all these things is we need like to be called out and like <laughs> told when things are like oh yeah there's a better way of saying that or there's a better way of doing mm -hmm. things and so we welcome those, we want those, and we hope that it challenges you in the way that you think. It definitely challenged me and Becca this week um, thinking about this. But yeah, one of my really good friends um, messaged us and just said like, when the, we use the phrase in our last pod, the least of these, and maybe some of you guys are familiar with that phrase, maybe you're not. Um, I heard it a lot in Bible college and a lot um, from pastors. So least of these like referring to typically like in the Bible, just like people who are marginalized, but reading into that and the way that sometimes that like language and sometimes that phrase is used, it can be alienating, um, particularly for women of color. And, and I think like it also, I'm going to just read it straight. What my friend said, because she's way better at saying this <laughs> than I am. Um, but yeah, she just said, like, I think the phrase also ironically captures how the church itself views and sometimes treats these folks like they do matter less and that they have less to offer. Um, I think part of the process of dismantling, you know, white supremacy in the church means rethinking some of these terms, how these terms are used. And that's something that's like constantly used in our language. So, yeah, I think it's like one of those, she was saying, like one of those linguistic things that reveals sometimes how the how the church actually thinks and can come off like like very differently than how Jesus intended it. When you hear Jesus say it, you're like, oh no, he values those people. And he's actually calling out the people that put those, mm -hmm. <laughs> like put people in places that um, were not a power and there's intentionality in that. But then when like someone who holds a lot of power and is white and saying those things, it can come off in a way that's, that is really patronizing and can be offensive. So I thought that was like really cool to think about. Not, maybe cool is not the right word, but I'm um, challenging and yeah. And I like apologize and want to not have that language like used for the future and, or a better way of explaining it and setting it up in a different kind of light. Mm -hmm. And I think like, yeah, and I think we use that a lot in Christian language of like, oh, you know, the least of these and marginalized, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I want it to be able to like, a language of humility in like not saying like oh I have it figured out and I'm better and I'm at this place but to recognize like I myself as a white person has put those people in those places that didn't deserve to be there so then how do we shift our language and thinking in that regard hopefully that makes sense <laughs> yeah definitely yeah well said um and I also want to reiterate that we welcome feedback at all times um this is a place where if we do something wrong, we want to hear about it. If we do something that you think could be better, we totally want to hear about it um, because we are super not perfect and we don't have the answers. So we just would love to continue creating spaces where, um, yeah, 
our friends and listeners feel comfortable sharing what they think. So I'm, I'm excited that that happened and I'm thankful um, that we got to hear that perspective because it's super true. Yes, it is. And <laughs> now we get to introduce one of our really good friends. Um, we're super thrilled to have Clarice um, on the pod today. Clarice graduated with her nursing um, bilingual, which is, Ooh. wow, this crazy. Smarter than all um, of us combined. Smart, smart, smart lady for sure. Um, and so, yeah, Clarice is from Vancouver area and now she lives in Edmonton. Um, she has a really cool job, which I'll get her to tell you about it, not me, because <laughs> I won't do a good job explaining it. But we, yeah, we're super excited to have her. She offers just so much wisdom and um, even before we recorded, just cracking us up with her humor and joy. And so <laughs> hopefully you'll get a good laugh. Hopefully you'll get shook a little bit. All yeah. the good things. <laughs> Yeah, this is our friend Clarice. Thanks, Katie. Um, Yeah, so I'm a nurse by trade, but right now I'm actually not working as a nurse. I work with refugees and newcomers. Um, So basically, I just help people settle into Canada when they first move here. Um, And I help them with uh, uh, teaching about the healthcare system here. So just lots of health promotion, um, kind of explaining them how our health care system is different from where they usually come from, um, and getting them all set up to be successful uh, to just restart their new lives here in Canada. That's how I would put it in two words. Wow. <laughs> you literally like sound like a superhero. That is the coolest thing in the world. I didn't even know that that's what you did for a job, Clarice. That's sick. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's my side hustle, you know. It's my <laughs> hustle. I, just, I, just, I, just do, I just do that eight to five every day. Five days a week. Wow. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot of, we have so many things to learn <laughs> from yeah. you today. You're just, oh wow, Clarice. Um, yeah, so Clarice, we're going to start out asking you the question about what rattles you about current church culture? Hmm. Many things. <laughs> um, all stemming from the same thing, though. Uh, I guess the inability uh, to be accepting of uh what god meant when he said to love everyone and loving your neighbor um especially our neighbors that look different from us uh based on skin color um gender even ability um but mostly for me i guess what hits home to me is based on skin color being a black woman uh and growing up in a very white area and going to white schools um, my whole life yeah that's uh kind of where i'd start with that <laughs> and we will unpack this <laughs> Oh, well, I bet it is. Probably not. I feel like I feel like I've been unpacking this for like as long as we've been friends. So yeah, yeah, and it feels like the more you unpack, the more they're just unpacked. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's, a, it's a bottomless luggage I'm unpacking. Yeah. So. my nightmare. For a trip you haven't even left. <laughs> so this is just a teaser, but <laughs> um, Clarice, yeah, maybe you could share more about like what your experience has been like navigating faith and yeah just your experience through navigating it yeah uh so i grew up um in vancouver on the west side uh lived there like all 18 years of my life before i moved for school um and so i went to uh white churches naturally just because that's kind of what was i was exposed to um but it was very interesting for me because um I almost, uh, I always felt like I never really was able to resonate with the way the gospel is presented um, to me. Uh, And that was kind of a realization I kind of came to understand uh, through the whole uh, BLM uh, movement back in uh, May, June. Uh, Yeah. And so I kind of spent a lot of time reflecting and thinking about, okay, well, uh, well, how how, how would God respond to, you know, racism as a Christian and like, obviously knowing that, you know, God doesn't condone racism and doesn't condone uh, injustices for his people. Um, but now what does that look like and what does that mean? And it was really hard for me to kind of understand and navigate that because um, I would see like my like black uh, black brothers and sisters and like people say one thing, but uh, the white Christians, white, white churches say another um, and it never really added up, added up to me. Uh, so it kind of really, um, pushed me to think even further uh, and ask myself, 
how did, like how has my faith journey kind of like how did it come to be and like why is it the way it is right now um and so asking lots of questions of uh, okay like how do i how do i navigate um being a christian but also struggling with this big issue that affects a lot of people um and so yeah i think that's kind of that was kind of the beginning of that for me uh, earlier this year, uh, given everything going on, because everybody was kind of forced to have a conversation that um, a lot of people didn't want to have, um, or it was really hard for them to have. Um, yeah, that's kind of where it started. This is happens to me back all the time where we're like, frick, so many things. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of a question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to hear that. I mean, excited is maybe not the right word, but it's cool to hear that because that is definitely the journey that I've been on in recent months as well. And like sort of the journey that brought Katie and me to start this podcast. So that's what makes you a great guest is that you're like asking all the questions that we want to ask and like, yeah getting down in the in the dirt with your faith like we want to do also so mm-hmm. yeah and I think when I like really like kind of think of it like like fully it was that like I kind of had to come I kind of had to I like had to ask myself lots of hard questions like well was I like not allowing myself to like experience the gospel the way my parents did growing up in Africa because I was around white people and white pastors and white leaders and uh, white worship and I was told and like was that and like was told that that's the only way to kind of do it um and so even like in thinking and reflecting of, like even things like worship like the way I worship listening to white uh written worship songs was not the same way I would when I listened to black worship music um and it was it, to me it was very odd I was like well why like if genuine and authentic worship should look the same no matter what it, what you're doing like why is it so different for me and why am I struggling with that why is that something that I'm so able to like clearly distinct that when I'm listening to this song by this artist I worship this way versus when I listen to this song by this black artist I'm gonna worship this way um and I guess like when I think of it, it just goes back to growing up um in churches uh built and like led by white people uh and being told from a young age in Sunday school that we pray like this, we talk to Jesus like this, this is how you hear God, but hearing my mom and my aunts talk about how they worship God and how they hear Jesus was not the same. Um, so it almost kind of felt like modern day, like res- like residential schools to me, mm-hmm. just being in church and being indoctrinated with um, all these, like all these different like things that like, you know, which, which like, are, which is one way of worshiping and knowing Jesus, but almost being like this is the only way and this is the right way rather than being able even being able to honor and respect both parts of me the part that is african black um uh, and has lots of culture but also uh you know being open to how other people from other places worship and uh, listen to god so i always felt like i had to shut out one so i could be accepted by the other wow um the modern day residential school analogy freaking breaks my heart on a lot of levels. And I think it's like true in a lot of ways. Um, but something that what you're saying is making me think of is how in the Bible, like it talks about there being one God, but I think that um, like churches here like to use that as like, there's only one god and it's our god the god that we've decided is Hmm. true so when Hmm. you see god differently um you're wrong and it's time to like delete that from your mind because um it's not what we think is the one god yeah yeah and i even like saw especially um like through like uh how uh, lots of like lots of churches uh, have lots of charitable initiatives and lots of outreach, and at first those were things that I was like, oh, those those are things that I want to do, and those would be great to go to do mission trips in these places and like, um, like, like go and be the gospel of these people. But 
the more and more I thought about it, the more I was like, this actually doesn't make sense. And like, it, it almost hit me a little bit different because all my white friends were able to like picture themselves going to Africa and holding babies and doing all these things. I would think of, man, I could have probably been that baby. Like, I don't know, like those, there's no, there's nothing that, there, there's not a really big difference between me and that child in the orphanage or why, why is it such a, why do we glorify this thing as, as, as like the church being heroes and, and uh, leaders when it comes to doing, doing a charity and outreach in, in third world countries that they have no history with or no idea when it comes to culture and why, why, why do I guess white Christians uh, are why are they so comfortable to go and um, to go and uh, almost like assert themselves in a space and say hey, we have these things for you and we do it better and not understanding, actually, maybe you don't even need these things that we have. Maybe we're, like, we just need to come and like listen or even just you tell us what you want and we can, and we can help you in whatever support, uh, in any support that we can, you know? Um, so that was also, that's also another thing too that I like never, never really fully sat well with, uh, was mission trips and outreach um, on an international level. Because um, I think it's important as a church to definitely be doing local outreach and getting to know the people within our community because we have people struggling. Um, and those are, those are the struggles that we can more so relate to, um, just being in, within the community. But when it comes to international uh, international things, that's where um, I feel like it's a very tough um, barrier to cross because how can one person of one uh, nation fully understand the needs uh another person from another nation yeah it's it's a bit ironic because (laughs) I went to school um like I went to Bible college and my program was like the missions like program and like especially in the season of just like these things that I've been like learning and thinking about and wrestling with and then I'm like why do we never talk about these things in this program and and like it's so interesting that we like oh yeah we're against residential schools oh we're against like colonizing like countries and da 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 but I'm like but in a sense like this is still what that is in a different kind of like named package and it's like so like sad because you it's it's not like anyone went to that program like with that intention like people are like you know like I want to help but then there's like that ignorance piece where it's like you don't you have this like instilled in you that you know what's best and I think that's like the problem is like Oh, I actually don't know what's best. And actually, like, God isn't a white God for white people. And <laughs> there's, like, like there's beauty in, like, how God is for every every person. And so, like, your experience is, like, yeah. different. But it's just, like, crazy how I feel like we've come so far and we don't ever talk about that. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned, I think, I don't know if we've come so far or if we've just changed the way things mm-hmm. look. Um, Because I think a lot of people like like to say, well, you know, racism isn't as bad as it used to be. And I go, well, I I don't really think that that's the case. I think racism just looks different now. I think um, a lot of the like overt and like blatant like things that are wrong, we don't do or have not been socially acceptable. However, there's lots of ways that we still allow for racism to have a place in society, whether it's through like our systems, our institutions, our infrastructures or even just like the little societal things that we've normalized and allowed allowed to be okay. Um, Would you, like, where would you see that come into play in churches? Like you kind of mentioned, like, even how we view God, but what other ways have you seen that in church? Yeah. um, One of the things uh, growing up, a lot of uh, the time I spent in church was in youth groups. Uh, and so even in youth group um, and camps, like there's always a chance for someone to share their testimony and uh, share a God at work story. And a lot of times it was other, te- other teens and kids in the, in the church that would talk about um, their, their, their journey with God. Um, but it was stories that I can relate to, whether it was being drunk at a party um, and then getting, su- and getting super uh, high and then ending up in the hospital and then meeting Jesus that way, which is great and unreal but like as a black person as an African person with an African mother that could never happen that would never pass like 
even if I look at my mom sideways, like I, there's no way, like like that, those were never stories or testimonies that hit home with me that, or that's how God spoke to me. But like hearing them over and over and over again made me feel like, well, am I missing out on this experience with God because I don't, because my African mother would like kill me if I were to have a drop of alcohol and I'm not going to parties all the time. Um, wow. But yeah, no, so like, understand yeah so I guess like that's one way I guess it's kind of the church does it or even just still in things like um talking about Jesus like some modern day hippie hipster that drinks coffee at the local coffee shop around the corner and wears Burks when really he was a Middle Eastern man who was probably not doing any of those things you know um so like whitewashing Jesus uh was also a huge thing for me um whether it was people whether it was um people referring to other people being like, oh, like you look like what Jesus looked like because you have long curly, like hippie hair and like you wear like the, these type of clothes. And I'm like, this dude's white as snow. What do you mean? Like Jesus is like a brown man. Like there's no way this white guy would look like Jesus. Um, yeah, it was definitely one way or even just like the way, uh, like the way we express ourselves um, as humans um, and, in Western culture, it's a, there's a lot more passive uh, tone to how we do things. A lot more. Um, uh, there's always a, there's always the right way of doing things is very polite and very um, by the book. Whereas in other cultures, or especially like in the one I grew up in, is very much more loud and vibrant and expressive. Uh, and so even people like seeing the way I interact with my mom and being like, "Oh, your mom's like loud and she's yelling." I'm like, "Oh, she's not yelling at me at all. Like that's just how she talks." Like you should see her she's actually mad like this is not even her being mad um and having to explain that to my white friends and like being like that's actually normal in my household that that's how we communicate um wow yeah it's just like i don't know heartbreaking to think how we are like taught in the church that there is one way of being and it is this like quiet subdued like white Canadian version of politeness that yeah. that doesn't represent God's people so yeah I I don't know that's just my like thought is like oh man um that's why all of our well, not all of our churches are so white, but the churches that I've been in are so white because yeah. like only this type of person is yeah. is to be a part of it because everything else is like whatever, wrong. Yeah, and I felt like um, not being like what was like socially um, acceptable in like white Christian culture, like held me back from a lot of a lot of things whether it was um like mentorship from people or friendships um but i think mo i think mostly mentorship because uh i think i i definitely think and felt that like um people saw the way i carried myself and and um walked around the church as something different and something that wasn't okay uh rather than being like you know what this is different but this might resonate with other people and this is something that we should you know need to understand more and like make room um and accept rather than just question it and push it away um which is hard especially it's one thing being a female in the church is one thing but being a female and, a, and black is another and so it's almost uh you almost have two things that you're fighting against mm -hmm. one being your gender and the other one being um your race at the same time uh, which can get really exhausting and really frustrating because you're speaking from like two different perspectives at the exact same time. Yeah, well, and if someone discounts you for one of those things, they would, or if they don't discount you for one of those things, they would discount you for the other, you know, like double whammy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wild. I was listening to this lady talk about um she was asking the question of like why they're predominantly white church like why is it so hard to like get diversity or like 
you know, be more, have more people represented like in the community. And this black pastor, this female black pastor is talking about like, yeah, but you're asking them to come into your white space. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And, and I think that's like, like we, the church like loves to talk about like diversity and inclusion and, but it has to still fit the box that they're like, it's comfortable in. Yes. And then yeah, it, com yeah, it comes at a cost that's somewhat like, it's sad. It's just like, yeah, like what Becca said, like, it's just heartbreaking to hear of like, man, you're asking people to assimilate and, and hide these parts themselves to fit this culture where, where Christianity is supposed to, or the church is supposed to be a place where you come as you are completely in hundred percent and you're in a space where you feel totally affirmed in that. And that was like the intent of what church should have been. And it's interesting to see like how, like where yeah. we are. Yeah, no, and it's crazy. Like I agree, you, like, especially like, I guess what resonated with me is when you mentioned uh, that uh, black pastor talking about how like, um, you like how white churches and white leadership want people of color to come into their space and somehow magically create this beautiful mosaic of diversity when really like they need really like white leaders white leaders church leaders need to kind of step down from their title and come to their people humbly and, and ask on humility say hey i don't know anything and i know that i've messed up and i apologize um but i'm here to you know to, to understand and fully give you like the time and space to teach me what I don't know and, and fill those gaps, um, which is very important, I think, um, which I think takes a lot uh, for a lot of church leaders to be able to have that conversation and be honest and be bold. Because I think a lot of things, a lot of what I've noticed too, is a lot of um, white people and white church leaders are afraid to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. And by doing that, they don't do anything at all, which even puts them at more, which even uh, is a huge, is a bigger step back because, like, if you don't make, if you don't take a step or, or move in any way, like, there's no, you can't allow change to happen. Nobody can really make corrections or teach you what you're doing wrong in the actions that you are taking. So by like not, it's almost like, how am I supposed to teach you how to kick a soccer ball if you won't even like show up to practice? Um, and that's kind of how it feels um and so but then but then so then but then in, re in return white people are like well can you come pick me up and take me to practice and can you bring me cleats and can you bring me this and that rather than being like you know what i have all the things that i can find like tell me what i'm missing and fill me in on what what's going on um so yeah that's huge i definitely like resonate with what you said or with what she said uh when she talks about that you said a lot of really great things in that last bit there where I'm like, wow, well, we should rewind. <laughs> but I think that like, I, and that's been like the journey I've been like learning on to exactly what you're saying of like, okay, what is as like a white Christian or someone who identifies like I or following Jesus, what is my role in this? And I think what you said about humility is like level, like that's like the first thing is like having the humility to be like, mm -hmm. I'm wrong and it's okay and it's okay <laughs> like no one's saying like I need to go you know hide in a hole and just like never show my face again but to say like here's an opportunity to like go forward and then I love what you said about um the soccer practice analogy so um yeah just the like I don't want to butcher it I'm gonna butcher it but <laughs> but like it's not it's not your responsibility to cater to my feelings and teach me the things that I can learn myself. And so I think I've seen that a lot happen where it's where, and you know, like I've caught myself doing that too, where it's like, well, why, why don't you just tell me like, <laughs> and it's like, well, that like, how's that respecting my friends who have been and still are going through things that are quite traumatic and asking them to like rehash that out when I have resources like readily available to like learn myself. And then how do I, and then the other thing you said about, you know, you're willing to like walk with me and you're willing to like call me out. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's part of like having true relationship with each other <laughs> and, and having the yeah. ability to be like, yeah, okay. Like I'm, I want to practice this and live this out and, and elevate people. Like I need, I need to like 
step down <laughs> a lot of levels. Yeah, and I think a big, yeah, and I think a big part of as to like why I think black people um, and people of color like don't want to take the time to teach white people um, like some of the basic things when it comes to racism is because a lot of it we've had to learn our own. Mm-hmm. Like there's things that happened to me growing up where I thought that was normal and didn't realize to read to like two weeks ago reading a book and be like, oh, actually that was not okay. And like, I didn't know that that was okay. And so for me, like I'm, for me as a black woman, like, I'm also learning about the things that, that I can't tolerate, can't accept anymore. So I have my learning to do and understand my own history that has never like been told or taught to me in school. And now I have to take what I'm learning and teach it to you and teach it to other white people on like a one-on-one like basis is exhausting and tiring. Like I got things to do. Like if I can, if I can take the time to read a book and look up the basic things, like that, that so can you, like there's no excuse for that. I think that humility piece is so key. Like, um, that is what is so interesting about like the North American church is this like um, this perception or this uh, mask that we put on that we've got it all together that um, we like live life a certain way um, we love this Jesus person who is humble like is supposed to be I don't know all of these things that we say we are but then when it comes down to it and like there's a little bit of grinding up against what we believe it's all of a sudden like impossible to be humble like no we have it completely right you're the one that's wrong like stay out of my church like maybe this church just isn't for you um like keep pushing away out of my space and there's you're right like no just like ability to say I can be wrong or at least I don't know like the the willingness to say I don't know and and just listen is absent to me there's a lot of excuses of saying like giving reasons why my like perfect box is gonna stay safe the way it is yeah and even like on the flip side I think what's even more traumatic and like hurtful to like the BIPOC communities when um church leadership and churches uh take a false stance of allyship by saying we don't condone racism we don't condone these things but don't acknowledge the times that where they didn't do those things in the past because for every single person within your congregation, within your community that is of color, that remembers the things that that pastor may have said, that this person that serves, uh, like as Usher said, sticks and forever, like it's something that we hold and carry. And so by, as by a church taking the stance and saying, we don't condone this, but not acknowledging the times that they don't, doesn't, doesn't show authenticity or authenticity and doesn't acknowledge the pain that they haven't that they have caused in the past their own people wow wow (laughs) yeah I've been thinking about that a lot and I've been thinking about like the analogy of like it's like if you get like a little bit of a splinter and then you just leave it and then it becomes this bigger thing and it's more painful and it affects like everything and I feel like often with the church for many many different like injustices um has like left that splinter and not fully acknowledged it and just like oh yeah like yeah that happened but like look what we're doing now we're doing this 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 but i'm like but if you really want to like heal it you actually need to like cut open that wound again and really like get it out there and yeah it's gonna be really painful and messy and like hard to do but that's the only way that it's ever going to like heal properly and I feel like that's what we're not doing like as a church is fully recognizing and hearing the pain that's been caused and sitting in it and lamenting and repenting and going to going to the cross and saying like man like here it is and this is what we've done and just giving it to the Lord and like really owning it I I just think like that it can't just be like a oh yeah like I hear you and I'm like, I'm sorry that happened to you, but like, look what we're doing or like, that's not happening anymore. 
and I've thought about it too. And you know what I think it is, honestly. I think sitting in like and like and reconciliation, like like research shows, shows like for every generation that you like cause pain to, takes that another generation to reconcile with. So having to reconcile with four hundred years of oppressed people is going to take another four hundred years, and so that timeline doesn't fit into church into church that doesn't fit into their nice four-week series about relationships or into their nice two-week sermon on like you know like whatever the heck they're talking about um so people so a lot a lot of what i've seen in churches is that when everything happened they kind of took their they they took their week or two either if you're if you're a white church you hired some other black church to speak on this um some churches had conversations and invited other black people into their conversation but after those two weeks like all right we need to get back to our seven weeks series about this thing because we don't have time for this rather than truly like there's definitely a way where you can still sit in this and like keep talking about this and keep fighting um to learn and to uh, understand god's heart on this um like like within within your Sunday service, but that is that doesn't fit like that doesn't fit nice white Christian church culture. That doesn't fit um this like the big bright lights of mega churches and it doesn't fit the nice aesthetic of after church coffee with your friends. And that's just the truth that's just the, the reality and the truth of the matter is that just people don't want to make a fit. Wow. Oh, wow. I think Wow, Clarice, uh, just going to listen and quote all these things you said. But I think of like, like, so I was listening to a sermon about like the Good Samaritan and like, it, like it took sacrifice and it took inconvenience and it took like time, like, and to, to pause and to sit and help. And it's exactly that. It's like, how, are, like, it, it can't just be like a two week thing. It, like, it has to be like an ongoing, like continued conversation and even like me looking like personally I'm like this is like something that I'm going to be dismantling like my whole life and I will never probably even get I will never get to the end and (laughs) which is sad but it's true and and we need we need churches to like lean into that if we if we really want to be for like every every person but this is something also people before us have been working to dismantle on like and I like we and we don't need to name people because because like there's so many, whether it was things like rights to vote, rights for for kids of all color to attend the same schools. Like this has been a fight that's been going on for so long that there's stuff that people have done before us that they never got to see to fruition, but we get to experience. And there's things that we are doing that we will never get to see, but other generations are gonna be able to live out that out and enjoy that for us, you know. That's beautiful. Um, what you are both talking about is making me think how we, now this is going to sound kind of big, so bear with me, but how we as Christians see sin. Um, because in my mind, like the concept of sin is this like nicely packaged, like easily definable behavior or act or like certain thought patterns but um the idea of systemic racism is humongous compared to other things that we as christians can identify as sin so i I wonder if what if what is making it difficult for the church to like really get into these conversations is this like oh racism equals bad we do two weeks on why racism equals bad like don't discriminate against other people based on their skin color like check sin dealt with because Mm. all the other sins in my life I can deal with within a month or a year or whatever like easily packaged but like what you said, Katie, like for some of us, this is a lifelong journey that we may never and probably won't ever like see the end of. 
Yeah. And I think when you mentioned like systematic racism, I think to me, like, I think of like, if churches, especially like churches with uh, predominantly white leadership took the time to sit down and talk about systematic racism, they would have to acknowledge that their church system to some level participates mm -hmm. in that. Um, and it's the same thing with everyone. And that's a big issue with racism because for like, if like the way racism needs to um, be approached and dealt with is almost the same way we, we like need to deal with COVID. Like we need to treat everyone as guilty and go from there. But by doing that, a lot of people are gonna find that, like well, are gonna find out and come to turn and deal with like a lot of things that they didn't even realize that they participate or take part in that is inherently racist mm -hmm. or systematically oppressive of minority groups. And it's not in it's and it's things that that don't that you wouldn't even think, uh, such as comments you make to your friends or um, where you buy your products, like where you grocery shop, where you buy clothes, um, what kind of school you go to, what car you drive, um, how you get a job, which is a lot to um, digest and think about, which people who aren't being oppressed can choose to close their eyes and go to bed and not have to think about, because if they did, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of other emotions that are, that are gonna have to come, following up with that, that that, are, that have to be dealt with. You know, <laughs> it's blowing our mind. <laughs> um, what would be like your big, like, yes, I, I, I'm like, we're probably not gonna see <laughs> systematic anything change in our lifetime, unfortunately, but I think we can still. Like, I think we need to have that hope to be able to continue to like fight for something that we believe that God is behind. And so what would be like, I don't know, your dream or your vision or like, what would you love to see um, maybe in your own life or just in a broader scheme of things? Like what, you, I don't know, <laughs> that's a broad question, but. This is the big finale, <laughs> the big finale question. question. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I guess, for, I guess, first of all, like, um, I think that, honestly, like, I already think that we are seeing systematic change um, happening. Uh, I think, obviously, like, the change that we want to see is it's not, it's not as much as we'd like, but there's change happening. Um, so, like, I definitely like, want to acknowledge the change that's going on and all the hard work that's being put into uh, all the, into the work that's been done uh, to, ch to change things systematically. Um, but I think the big thing I would like to see, especially when it comes to um, like Christian culture, like white Christian culture, um, is that rather than rather it being white people holding a mic and asking what black people's thoughts or even people of color's thoughts are um, when it comes to topics like these, I'd rather them hand over the mic to those black people um, and let them have ownership over what's going on and let them be the ones to lead change uh, within the church and change the culture when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Because I think um, a lot of what's going on right now is it's a lot of uh, hesitancy and a lot of uh, doubt that people of color can do things and almost like this weird, like honestly my head to me just seems like white people are afraid that people are going to overthrow them even though like we're all here doing the same thing for God's kingdom but that's kind of, that's my answer to your Big kahuna of a question. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to add on to that. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I could just, I don't know. Becca, how are you feeling in this conversation? <laughs> how am I feeling? <laughs> I mean, it's just another, like, just another day of me, like, being this person who I... I just, my ideas about race and my own race and how I interact with race in this world, um, especially as someone who is a part of Christian culture, um, I'm just like learning a lot and there's a lot to 
um, yeah, just sit with and like you said, like confess and lament and then, and then like get up off my ass and like do something about, um, because yeah, for me, like I am half Chinese, so I, I like don't look super white, but I definitely am like a white person, but this like talk about race and like hearing Clarice's experiences, like break my heart in a way that I like need to do something about them. And I think that like, that's just, yeah, how I'm trying to be inspired <laughs> when I like hear these things and have these conversations is not do the like white silence thing or like, um, yeah, be so overwhelmed by it all that I don't do anything, but it's like, okay, that is really crappy and I totally agree and I see it all. And so let's like move forward and let's have people like Clarice and other people of color like help us lead the change and like give them the mic like you're asking instead of us being like okay great story like here's how we're gonna move ahead team um mm. I think one final thing I said would add to to was that is that um I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people of color the reason like we can't really choose to not participate in like western white things and the reason why we like are in, like participate in systemic racism is because it's the way we survive like code switching is a way that we get hired for jobs um doing having a routine when a cop pulls you over is the way that we protect ourselves so we don't have to die and so that's something that we can't choose to opt out of whereas other people can other people who aren't people of color who are white can or white passing can choose to not have to deal with that yeah and it's it's wild because it's like oh my gosh like the stakes are not even comparable between these two situations like it it is it just feels so important that like white people and white passing people like confront these things because it is not like a life or death situation for us but for people of color it is and it is how like you survive so yeah I just echo what you say please like 100% it's just so critical so that's where I'm at Katie <laughs> what yes. are you taking away from this conversation Oh, I, oh, uh, so many things, <laughs> but yeah, I think just like, I was having this thought the other day of like, I'm like, why do people not get this or like not want to lean into it or like whatever. And then I was like, oh, cause it's like freaking hard and really <laughs> rattling and a constant thing. But then, but I'm also like, but like, like God like commands us to do this. Like it isn't like an optional thing. Like we, we, I was listening I've been listening to a lot of things, so I keep referencing all these different things. But Pastor was talking about, um, you know, Christians, a lot of Christians' negatives response to movements like Me Too or Black Lives Matter. And, and he's like, but they're doing the things that you are called to do. And God's using them to bring justice and to, to do what's right. And, like, let it be said that, like, like, the world can do all these things, but don't let, like the world out love you as as believers in Jesus and wow and I'm like man we got to lean into that and and I and I want to because clear straight like I have the privilege after this call to like I don't have to think about it because it doesn't affect me in my day-to-day -day. and that's like yeah it's just really hard to like but I have friends and I have people that like I love that that's their reality is it's like it's a constant thing and, and not just church it's like every place of life dealing with these things and church should be the one place where they don't have to deal with those <laughs> like they shouldn't have to you know change themselves to to fit the norm and, and so yeah I think I'm just <laughs> I'm like verbally parsing as I go but just like I have a responsibility to to like whatever it is to 
do something and yeah. I and and I'm probably gonna get it wrong but like it's not an excuse to not do anything yeah mm. okay so <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do we like give our good friends who are listening to this conversation a place to jump off of a place to do it like somewhere to go so that this is a where to go from here golly gosh this is where it gets tough because um on one hand i think people want to give their friends of color space and time to still think and you know heal from like the traumatic two months of people being like, wait, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? How's it going? What's going? What's happening? Like, what's this? What's that? I read this. I read that. Um, but at the same time, you also still want to check in on your friends and, like, make sure they're doing okay. Um, I think, first of all, I think there's lots, I think there's lots of things that people can do on their own time without, that don't require other people, whether it's um, seeking out, um, starting to listen to other um, Christian speakers and pastors that aren't white or reading books by Christian authors that aren't white um, is one is one thing, but also just like doing the basic work of understanding what racism is at its core, um, and actually maybe looking up some of the, some of the resources their friends um, have probably have posted, um, like in 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 previous months uh, when it comes to systemic racism and all the unjust things. Um, or even watching uh, movies and TV series on uh, streaming sites uh, is one great thing that you can do um, on your own time that doesn't require anyone else to kind of talk to um, or keep you accountable for other than yourself. Um, but I think like after that, uh, having conversations um, with all people, not just black people, but even people uh, that don't agree with you um, and understanding and learning and understanding um, like, you know, and uh, the thought process of both sides. Because um, uh, a lot of times I think a lot of like, a lot of the misunderstanding and the not knowing when it comes to topics like these is just the, the, the lack of knowledge and education on this matter, on this matter, or even just the lack of like direct effect experience that it has on your life. Mm-hmm. That was really good. <laughs> Clarice, I'm very thankful for you and I really appreciate you taking the time to share some good things. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on, Becca and Katie. <laughs> and I'm I think, sure yeah, I think. Again. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there's always less lost time pack. You know, I got one luggage yeah. on my left, one luggage on my One like carry-on luggage today. There's lots more. Yeah, barely. You can have one carry-on. That was yeah. That was my wallet. Like. <laughs> that was your wallet. Oh shoot. That was my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah well i yeah <laughs> i don't even know how to respond um well i will post on their on our instagram some like resources that uh we found helpful and yeah let's just keep the conversation going clarice you're rad <laughs> you guys can't see her right now but it's it's pretty funny to watch yeah, I'm not. I'm not a serious person. It's all, all the all the serious talk. Serious talk makes me revert to my bad coping ways of just using humor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Yeah.